This episode of Bush Breakaway is brought to you by DoorDash. That's right, DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving to your door right now. DoorDash is super easy to use. All you got to do is download the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, order your food, and it'll be delivered to your door safely. Uh, seriously, I use DoorDash all the time. Every single Friday night, my wife and I, we do date night. We order out. We pick something fun within the uh, community. We kind of try and randomize it. We'll sometimes roll a D20, real nerdy, and pick a random restaurant and just order from there. It's super easy. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and $0 delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BSB. That's $5 off and $0 delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BSB. Don't forget, that's code BSB for for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. BSB OT, some number. Here on a legendary day in sports, um, I'm with my good friend Greg Kaplan, as always, and a lovely guest that we have um, also our good friend, Shayna Goldman. Shayna, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, um, in conflict as per <laughs> usual. Uh, definitely an interesting day in sports as, uh, the protests continue. Uh, the NBA totally just shutting down for the day and, uh, a couple of MLB teams, uh, taken off the field there. So, um, I support their cause. I'm definitely pumped they're doing it, but it's always like, just a just such a surreal like oh wow this is a very historic moment it's a lot to take in it's a historic moment that one league is missing out on again and they will hold a moment of silence because that'll sure do the trick that that's a great going yeah i i I, the nhl is exhausting I, i i don't know if it's become more exhausting or if i'm just learning how exhausting it actually is i as as sad and just there's really no other word to describe it than sad. It, you just think of the two major storylines today from the National Hockey League and the National Basketball Association. The NBA is making a stand and forcing people to have uncomfortable conversations that maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise. Meanwhile, in the NHL, a highly paid center for the San Jose Sharks claims that he was sucker punched because he was talking about how, as a Canadian, he would like to vote Republican here in the United States of America. And also, odd that he's characterizing his own father as a cop, even though we all know his father is a firefighter and a very decorated firefighter. It's just, it's unbelievable the the way these two sports just, they are self, the NHL is a self-parody of itself, whereas the NBA is continuing to be. Just, I don't know if you guys had this thought today, but this is what brought me back to it. If the NBA didn't shut down because Rudy Gobert tested positive, do we think the NHL would have ever gotten there on their own? No. Really? Because I do. I think they would have. I really no, don't think they would I think that they're a league that they like to see what other people do to test the water, see what the pushback, the reaction is, whether people are saying it's right or wrong. You can like It feels like with everything they do, they wait for at least one other major league to I, make the move. And I think the fact that they had shared arenas was what really kicked them in the ass. I can't believe I'm going to defend the NHL here, and I know I'm going to be on an island alone. I know this sucks. Uh, well, I'll push. I'll push you. I'll push you further, Ryan. How long do you think before the NHL shut it down? Do you think it would have taken? I'll give you a week. Governmental mandate? I I no, I don't think so. That that, that, was, that, was, that was never coming. That. The mandate. And well, I think Cuomo would have told the Rangers to stop before the Rangers would have stopped. Well, MSG MSG said day like day one we're not doing anything there. Period. Um, but I I, I think, think the Canadian government would be like. No, we don't want you dumbass Americans who are just fucking making everything worse. 
coming into our country back and forth, get the fuck out. Like, I don't want you coming from, at the time, it would be, you know, New York and coming to Canada, not even like Florida at that point, because it wasn't as bad there. But everyone would be like, oh, California? Oh, New York? No, you're not coming to Canada. The one, thing, like, no, you're right. the one thing I will give the NHL credit for, and I think you're particularly right in saying they do wait a lot of the times to see what the other leagues are doing. But I think they had the protocols ready for the bubble before anybody else. Um, and maybe it wasn't fully fleshed out the way, but yeah. their, their plan, I think, came first before even the NBA. Like, they had it figured out. Now, did they have the city figured out up until, like, the day before? No, not, not at all. <laughs> but, but the play, like, they were the first people really with the plan in this situation. So most of the time I agree with you, Shayna, but I have to defend them in that one respect. I think you're right. I really do about the bubble situation and how they've handled it. And like they, it's they the one protected the players right. tremendously, like no yeah. doubt about it. Zero, and they're not one of them. Yeah. They're not going to Florida. Like so many major leagues are like, let's go to Florida, which at that point when they were, it was already a hot spot. And you're like, why, even if you're going to be in a bubble, just avoid it at all costs. So Baseball like, was definitely like, let's moved. go to Arizona. It was like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> and then Texas was like, you can have fans here. And then Florida was like, come play here. Even though you had to have like a mass exodus to get out of here because everything was so bad. So like the NHL deserves credit, but like, so my question for you guys, cause mm-hmm. this is when I, <laughs> when I say anything on the internet, you know, it gets a, Shana, a you? friendly reaction. Come on now. Me? Yeah. In this economy? Ugh. So I do love that um, joke, the, the economy one. So it always gets me. <laughs> It really, it really like hits well, you know, and it, it, it felt fitting. Play the hits. But, uh, so people are like, so what do you want the league to do? Not play. And like, for me, I'm going, yeah, yeah, don't play. Like, why, why be the only league to continue playing? The MLB isn't, you know, uh, the Brewers and the Reds aren't. The WNBA right now you have games being canceled and obviously the NBA. Yeah, it's two more games happening today. You don't have anything from Wisconsin. I understand that. But shouldn't you show that you give a shit? I mean, you could barely even say Black Lives Matter. So would you not want them to play? I say, yeah, don't play today. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I get really annoyed when people jump into mentions and, and post stuff on Twitter being like, well, what do you expect them not playing to do? Well, I, ex- I expect them not playing to do this, to create a conversation that maybe you weren't going to have in a normal circumstance, to yeah, to let people know, this this podcast was supposed to be about the Zubov trade, and it will be, and at some point we will go over it. Yeah, but, but it that that's that's what not playing does. It sports, as much as we love them, and we will continue to love them, they're a distraction. They're they're an escape. It's why so many people scream the stick to por- stick to sports mantra from the high heavens. Yes, they but do. look, there, there's shit more important in this world than sports, and this is very much one of them. And People in your community, friends that you may have, they are struck by this in a way that maybe you can't relate to. Well, now this sporting event is being canceled, and it's being canceled for a reason you were uncomfortable talking about. Well, now you have to talk about it, because if you want to talk about your sports, you can't not talk about this. So it's that that's what the cancellations do. They, and it, it, To be fair, these aren't cancellations. This is a straight-up strike, and bless the players for – taking the extra measure to do it because I don't, I don't know if I was in their situation that I would, I would hope that I would come to the same conclusion they did, but there's no way to know until you're in that position. And the Milwaukee Bucks specifically a team heavily favored to win the championship this year. If there is a championship this year in the NBA for them to do it, it speaks volumes. And if you're not listening now, you're not going to listen. And you need to understand that if you're not listening now, you are the epitome of the problem. I hate. So I. Sorry, go on. 
Thank no, you. That, that was it. I, I don't know where I was going to go with that. Flag, okay. But. Um, I hate to be like devil's advocate here. Like, and, but with the Islanders, I know they got to ask the question of like, Hey, why did you guys play today's game? And the game did start like before the bucks kind of took off. Like I never expected the Islanders or the NHL to be the ones to start this movement. I want to be super clear. And for the Islanders to, yeah, yeah like yeah. For, for them to be like, well, we have to learn, like get more information. Like we don't really know what we were playing a playoff game. Like, I'm not mad at the Islanders for playing that game or, you know, or the Flyers. And I hate both those teams. And I hope the ice melts and they all, no, I don't want to get injured, <laughs> but I, I just hate both of them. But I'm not going to blame them for playing the game. Like, what uh, for people out there being like, well, should the Islanders not play? Like, did you expect the New York no. Islanders to go ahead and start this movement? Like, no, but it's time no. to it's time no. to join a movement when you can as a pro athlete to support your fellow pro athletes. And I think if you yeah, can... And- you should. I, do, I will say, uh, and then I'll let you go, Shannon. I, I will say, if the people asking, well, what changed between yesterday and today? Uh, be, first of all, the NBA, the Fred VanVleet, the Raptors. No, but not even the Bucks. This was being talked about yesterday. Oh yes. In all of all of the player availabilities, the Raptors were having questions about whether they were going to play. Uh, Nick Nurse came out today and said that players were contemplating whether they're just going to straight up leave the bubble entirely. Um, Doc Rivers but last then, night. Yeah, like the NBA was talking about this yesterday, and I maybe this happens no matter what. But then the the double murder that occurred during the Wisconsin protest again last night, that if that's not a breaking point, one doesn't exist. And if, yeah. if something wasn't going to happen after that, then I, I this was already being talked about. If you weren't hearing it, it's because you were choosing not to listen. But then it there was another shooting in Wisconsin during these protests, the players almost didn't have a choice. They had to do something, and this is what they're doing, and support them for doing it. Yeah, well, if people yeah. in my community were getting, you know, prosecuted and gunned down too, I'd be just like that. Too. And if I had that platform, I'd be doing the same thing. Like, those are my friends. That's my community. That's my family, you know? This isn't a political issue, no matter how many times people try and say it. It's just not. It's your community, and you're just trying to do what's best for people in your life. That's it. It's super easy. Uh, I, I stand yeah. with the players in this situation. And yeah, I agree. If hockey didn't want to play, you know, I think the moment of silence is, uh, I don't know if it's better to do nothing than <laughs> in that situation. I really can't tell. I think it's like moment of silence, maybe. Like a lot of these guys are from Canada or they're not from the United States, but it's not about that. It's about taking a stand with your, your pe- fellow athletes and fellow, you know, people in the NHL who will support Black Lives Matter or who are part of that movement. Take, take a stance with them. It's not, you know, it's not that, it, it, it is, it seems like, to me, it's not that big a deal. Like, everyone's already taken this, taken this step. Like, we're just trying to raise awareness, have some uncomfortable conversations, and let our fans know that we support, support this movement for equality. That's it. Like, yeah, it's the playoffs. You want to win. You're a professional hockey player. Like, of course, you're locked in. You want to go. But some things, they take precedent in this situation. And that's just what it is. I do think I do think it's important to point out here that the National Hockey League's response to this while tone deaf in nature is almost not important, right? Because if it was up to the National Basketball Association, the Magic and the Bucks would have played a basketball game at four o'clock today. Facts. It's the players who decided to do this. So if if the players involved in the hockey games tonight decide to take a stand, God bless them as they should with his, which is the right. So it's, I, I don't want to say that it's not the league's responsibility to do X, Y, and Z. It's the player's responsibility to put the league in a position to make an uncomfortable decision. If that is what the players want to do. 
So I, I, I personally don't care that the NHL puts out this basically just thoughts and prayers. noise canceling try and statement saying, oh, we'll do a couple extra things during the pregame. That's all great and good. I don't care. It's up to the players. And mm. I just I just want to point that out that it, we're not the, the National Basketball Association, the powers that be Adam Silver wanted the games to be played today. It's the players that need to stand up and make a difference. And they're doing that in basketball. We'll see if they do it in hockey. I okay. Okay, I have thoughts on like everything. We're here so. for you. All right. So let me the Islanders, their game, I don't think it's they knew the situation that was going on before the game. They obviously didn't know how it pertained to the uh, the Bucks and everything being canceled. So I will give them credit in that respect, but they can't act like they didn't know about the protests and everything else going on. But they obviously didn't know games were being canceled. I can't fault them on that because you do have to be informed on the situation. But like you know, they should have known of everything else besides the game cancellation had a stronger statement on that or we support the movement or anything like that could have been thrown in there to make it a little bit better. Um, and people will say, what does it do? Uh, two things it can accomplish. And we can use like from this very example, you have the Bucks players trying to speak to the attorney general and I think the lieutenant governor. That's something. And two, many owners are in very influential positions in their communities. They have a lot of money. They have connections. And if they want to make a difference, they can be they can play a major role in it. And many of them and you're going to say, oh, sports aren't political. And that's always it. So many of them make it political because of who they support, the money that they fund and money that goes to campaigns or certain movements that is coming from the money that you give supporting that sports team. You know, it's how they make some of their money. So it's all intertwined. Um, I hate that it's on the players. This is something that like. I agree. It's going to be on the players. It has to be because they're going to do the right thing when leagues don't because everything's going to be focused on money and playing the games like it is in the NBA, which is why I like that the teams came out first and the players, they were making their statements. And I hated that the league came in and said, well, we're postponing all the games anyway because they just took control of the narrative. They didn't allow for teams to continue making statements and it made it look like they were doing the right thing. I wish the league said we support the players' decision and we stand behind them instead of saying, actually, yeah, we're postponing it all. So that's my qualm with that. Um, I just wish it wasn't on the players because it, it always is on the players to do something and take a stand for it. And it should be, yes, it's on them individually, but it should be on the teams and the leagues as well to make better statements. And that happened with the murder, murder of George Floyd. We saw it with the statements that teams made and how few actually did something actionable immediately. Some have since like the Washington Capitals, but I wish they did more and that they could lead the way and their players could stand with them instead of it being the players having to do it. And then you have to wait and see how the teams do or don't support it or how the league does or doesn't. And obviously I'm asking a lot by that and I understand everything's a business, but it would just be nice to see a little bit more support instead of following after the fact what the players do. And in hockey, I'm not optimistic that we'll see many players do anything because of everything with hockey culture, which is like another conversation in itself. And everyone can scream, well, it's not their problem because it's a league that's mostly white. But guess what? It is their problem because they should be showing the support louder than anyone because you can't do anything without having the support of everyone. So that's my whole thing. And also hockey fans, so many of them are so white and are the people that need to hear this stuff and learn and listen. So if hockey players do it and are the ones that can force them to learn and listen, that's such a good thing. And I can't like emphasize that enough. They're the people that, you know, fans that maybe are on the other side of the spectrum in this conversation. Um, you're appealing to them if you're the hockey player and trying to inform them and maybe that would help. 
you know, get them in on this if they weren't already. No, that's a good point. Definitely. It's, it, it should be everyone. It's just a situation where it's like, Hey, we're trying to get a message out there make sure everyone's aware. And if hockey could do that too, instead of just doing, you know, thoughts and prayers, that'd be quite great. I feel like we uh, yeah. could go on about this for like the next, I don't know, six hours. But um, let's <laughs> let's go ahead and do um, on the second half of this little podcast uh, what we set out to do, which is talk about the '90s. Wow, what a transition, right? But before, <laughs> <laughs> great job, Ryan. Great host. Wow, killing it. Um, Amazing. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, before we do that, let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Ryan telling you why there are 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is celebrating the return of sports by giving up to $100 million in prizes to all their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home $1 million cash prize. To claim your share of the up to $100 million in an instant giveaways, all you have to do is download the app and sign up using promo code QUICK, then enter DraftKings' free football survivor pool. Yes, it's really that easy to claim $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win a $1 million cash prize. While top prize is reserved for one lucky winner, everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings' free football survivor pool will receive an instant bonus prize for at least $5 upon entering. Uh, while you're in, in the app, don't forget to check out all the great odds, boosts, and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every day to celebrate this week's basketball and golf action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code QUICK to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code QUICK to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Must be 21 year older, New Jersey only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings com slash sportsbook for details gambling problems call 1-800-GAMBLER and our sponsor today is also Manscaped have and they have you covered to keep your hair looking nice and trimmed and feelings fully supported Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels oh, did you hear that that's the moose asking for Manscaped the premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes a LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts of your delicates. You can get the trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray. Yes! Both super practical, and they smell great, too. Plus, for a limited time, when you offer the Perfect Package Kit, you can get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxers. So you need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TheAthletic at Manscaped. Tw- oh, I'm sorry. TheAthletic20 at Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TheAthletic20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the Athletic 20 TheAthletic20 for the moose to the caboose. Always use the right tools for the job. Back to the show. And we're back. Okay. Uh, now we're talking about the Zubov trade. Uh, Shana, you may have heard that over the past couple of days, past days, weeks, um, Greg and I have rewatched the 1994 championship run. One of the people that stood out the most at during this time was a little player named Sergei Zubov. He turned out to lead the points, the Rangers in points, uh, during the year. He also was a tremendous asset to them on the defensive side of things, was a monster on the power play and was then somehow traded um, a year later. Um, so we're going to break down the trade tree. And Gregory, uh, we actually got this idea, I believe, from an OT listener on Monday. And uh, our good friend Mike S. helped us uh, write a little bit of this up. So I, I know you have a lot more notes here. So why don't you start us off? Yeah, I I think the easiest place to start is 
just by saying the circumstances surrounding why the New York Rangers felt like they had to make this trade. Um, it was on the heels of a really poor showing in the 94-95 season. And the Rangers felt like they had to shake something up. Apparently, uh, the now-deposed Mike Keenan was replaced by Colin Campbell, who is, I think, most older Ranger fans have a significantly negative opinion of the man, and I can't say I blame them for any of that. But for whatever reason, Campbell despised Ned Peter Nedved and Sergei Zubov. Nedved was acquired in the Esetikinen trade after the 94 season. Zubov, as we all know, the hero of 94, missed a large chunk of the 94. 94- for 95 season to have wrist surgery wrist surgery that apparently both neil smith and colin campbell didn't feel like zubov needed um when zubov was healthy he was a point per game player uh the the article the new york times wrote up following this trade said campbell blamed zubov a lot for his defensive zone schemes for his placement defensively as if that's somehow zubov's fault uh and that the Rangers felt like in order to compete and win another Stanley Cup in the Marc Messier era, they would desperately need a more veteran presence, which is why they traded for 11-year veteran Ulf Samuelson and a 30-year-old Luke Robitaille. Uh, Robitaille was coming off very strong showing with the Kings. He had 400-point seasons. Two other years, he was 90-plus points. But... And following the 94-95 season with the Penguins, which is who the Kings traded him to, uh, quite honestly, he struggled. He was 42 points in 46 games. That's not the Luke Robitaille we were familiar with, but he had a whole bunch of reasons, blah, 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 thought he was coming back from injury. Yeah. Either way you slice 100 it. 100-point players four times beforehand, good. for sure. Yeah, the Rangers thought they were upgrading, at least upgrading from Nedved to Robitaille. And if Zubov was the price to pay to make that upgrade, it was a trade the Rangers were willing to make uh, long-term for short-term. I think you're both going to be surprised when I tell you this didn't work out. What? Whatsoever. No. Stop. Ever. Yeah. Shana, can you think of a time in modern history where a trade like this, a team trading a young budding defenseman for an aging winger forward on the wrong side of 30 has ever backfired in a team's face? No, no. Why ever? Think of would... one, right? No, not not a single one. I would never in my life ever imagine a team trading a young, budding player for a player that's a marquee name that's past their prime. That they hear the name and they go, "Yes, success. That's going to bring us to a win." Because in their day, they were really good. And then fuck the future, fuck potential. It's all about the right now. And if it blows up in our face, hey, at least we tried. That's why I hated the Rick Nash trade, you know? Sorry, guys. Uh, no, Sorry. I knew you were going there. And <laughs> not, we're not taking that. Uh, I would, before, before we go into the trade tree, I do think it's worth pointing out that the 95-96 New York Rangers season ended with a playoff loss to none other than the Pittsburgh Penguins themselves. And in that series, Peter Nedved and Sergei Zubov posted higher point totals than Luke Robitaille, who only scored four points with one goal in the entire series. Uh, the Penguins would then lose to the Florida Panthers, who I forgot were even an NHL team at this point in time, who then lost to the Colorado Avalanche, and the Colorado Avalanche are your Stanley Cup champions in 95-96. Uh, 
And if you're wondering how the 96-97 Rangers did, they didn't make the playoffs. So. <laughs> Very good. Remember that team that could Actually, have been a dynasty? Wait, the 96-97 Rangers made the playoffs? And they lost in the conference finals? There you go. I forgot about this. A little bit of an update. Real-time oh update from Hockey Reference. I'm assuming. Um, yeah. No, good. Uh, okay. Well, Robitaille sucked on that team too, I should say. Well, there you go. But the Rangers got Essatikin in back, so... I guess that's why they made a deeper playoff run. One more run. A team that should have been a dynasty that should have had more than one cup uh, ends up trading Zubov. So let's get into the tree itself, shall we? Um, so we get Robitaille, and then Ol- Olf Samuelson somehow has also popped into this tree. Can, it, can we talk about <laughs> Olf Samuelson for a second? He's later on traded to Detroit in 1999, March, March 23rd. Olf Samuelson, who has like a total of 12 points in his like NHL like the full year, like, let's see here. 99, he has a total of uh, 12 points. That's correct. And he is traded for a second and a third rounder. Is that a lot for a 12-point defenseman? Yeah, but he's tough. Oh, toughness. The... We pay for toughness and grit. He's 34 years old. <laughs> he, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, well, uh, the, day of, the day of the trade, the New York Times describes Samuelson as, quote, Samuelson, an 11-year veteran with Penguins and Hartford, is considered one of the league's most combative players, a nasty checking defenseman who will punish foes without fist fighting. He had some noteworthy collisions with Boston's Cam Neely several seasons ago that resulted in leg injuries that threatened Neely's career. Aside from Jeff Boogaboom and to a lesser degree Kevin Lowe, the Rangers' defense has lacked the dimension of intimidation that makes opposing forwards think twice before setting up in front of the net. Very- I mean, we are in we are in the prime grit era in the NHL. 96, 97, 98. So here's his, here's his stat lines in case you got everyone playing at home is wondering. Uh, he plays 74, 73, 73 games. And during that time, he has a total of 19 points, 17 points, 12 points. Uh, they don't have hits here, but I'm assuming it's a ton. It has to be because I don't, I don't see any other value in trading for Ulf Samuelson in that, in that situation. Um, but they did. No. Um, no, you could have kept the defenseman you had. Feel like, who... feel like the Hall of Famer Sergey Zubov would have been good on the Rangers. You know, the, yeah. the, it's it's just I, the thing that I keep going back to here is that the New York Rangers made this trade in order to make another Cup run. So if you're trying to make another Cup run, why wouldn't you keep the integral piece to your last Cup run? That the one oh, by who the way, scored eighty-nine points. Yeah, eighty-nine points the year that you won. A defenseman has not done that since. Like, can we can we just like grasp that no one's done that since? But you know what? He wouldn't have done it again. Had you, you know, maybe you would have had like ninety five points from a defenseman, even if you only got eighty or seventy. Think of how effective that could have been. Keeping a defenseman, you needed more than Brian Leach. He was amazing, but you needed, you know, like it, it's just crazy to me. What what are you thinking? So wasn't there like um. I guess the back of the backroom story or the backroom backroom rumors rather was that Messier didn't like Zubov. Is that is that it, or am I missing out on that? Well, he, didn't he not? Oh no, I'm sorry. It was Wayne Gretzky didn't get along with Luke Robitaille. Was that it? That was it yes. back then. That's what Gret, I think. Gret, uh, Robitaille was moved from the Kings to the Penguins because Gretzky was tired of playing with them. Essentially, I, I guess you kind of just do listen to Gretzky. That might be one of those situations where you're like, "Well, it is Wayne Gretzky." But I just, I, I, just out, I just want to point out again to Shana's point. The year before the Rangers traded Zuboff, he played in 38 games with a bad wrist, and he totaled 36 points. So it's not exactly like damaged goods Zuboff wasn't producing. And he's well, what's his Corsi? 
Oh, <laughs> 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 well, you know we don't have access to that. All right, so continue with the trade tree here, Greg. So uh, we have the uh, the third. Well, I, I, I think the the first part we have to go through here is Nedved because it's important to remember that the Rangers reacquired him. Uh, <laughs> why why did the New York Rangers reacquire him? I don't know. Is it because the guy they traded? for Luke Robitaille immediately had better seasons than Luke Robitaille ever did with the New York Rangers. Uh, Nedved scored a measly 23 points with the Rangers in 94-95 in just 46 games. Immediately broke out for 45 goals, 54 assists. For the math majors at home, that's 99 points for the 95-96 Penguins. And then followed that up with a 30-goal season, 71 more points for Peter Nedved, who, by the way, had a couple good years with the Rangers when they reacquired him. 68 points in 99-2000, 78 points in 2000-2001. And then when he turned 30, he kind of just became Derek Stepan, which not necessarily a bad thing there either. But yeah, the Rangers traded for a high-scoring winger, and their center, who was young and mercurial at the time, became a high-scoring center. Go figure, New York Rangers hockey. Um, they reacquired, and Ranger fans will remember this, they reacquired Nedved, all it cost them was Alexei Kovalev and Harry York. Hmm. Not exactly the world's greatest trade in the world. The Rangers then would trade Nedved again at the 2004 deadline with UC Markkinen for the legendary Steve Valiquette, who would end, who would leave as a free agent, so the tree ends with him. Dwight Hellmanen, uh, again, left as a free agent, so his trade tree ends here. The Rangers also got Edmonton's second-round choice in the 2004 entry draft. Uh, they took left-winger Dane Byers. For those wondering at home, in 2004, the New York Rangers had three second-round picks. The third of their second-round picks ended up being Brandon Dubinsky. Uh, good work there. Immediately taken after Dane Byers was Carl Soderberg, who you may recognize the name. He's had a very solid NHL career. They also took a guy by the name of Bruce Graham, a draft pick they acquired for trading Alexei Kovalev again. Uh, the New York Rangers twice in the second round took forwards and passed on David Krejci. They actually passed on Krejci three times because they took Dubinsky the third time. But New York Ranger history, a lot different if they go Soderberg, Dubinsky, Krejci, as opposed to Dane Byers, who did nothing, Bruce Graham, who did nothing, and Brandon Dubinsky. Makes you think. It does make you think. Well, just a bit. But, you know what? I don't know about you guys. Looking, looking back at old drafts, I just get frustrated because, like, well, now you know. The only way you can, the only way you can really do it is by who else was drafted in that round, I think, because I, I'll explain as we get to um, back to Olf Samuelson. One of the picks the Rangers got in Olf Samuelson that Ryan mentioned from Detroit was a second round choice in the '99 draft, uh, 59th overall. They spent it on center David Inman, who was playing his hockey at that time at Notre Dame. Uh, another mercurial prospect that you guys are going to be shocked. I don't think he ever played a single NHL game in his career. In that same draft, 91st overall, a man by the name of Mike Comrie was drafted. 210th overall, Henrik Zetterberg went to the Detroit Red Wings. And 212th mm. overall, Radom Verbata also taken after the Rangers took David Inman. Again, that's kind of splitting hairs because you can't blame – the Rangers passed on Henrik Zetterberg like six times. In this draft. <laughs> yeah, so a, a ton. Like it's not like they took David Edmond and specifically missed on Henrik Zetterberg, but I will forgive anyone if they want to be angry that the Rangers had three second round picks in 2004 and passed on David Krejci three times. They got Dubinsky, so I guess you can't be angry. 
Uh, also acquired for Ole Sanderson, an aforementioned <laughs> third-round draft pick in the 2000 draft. This is where it gets a little funny with Ulf Samuelson because the, obviously the third-round pick is the least important of the assets they got back. However, that third-round pick was used to acquire the fourth overall pick in that same draft where the Rangers drafted a man by the name of Pavel Brendel, who was then traded for Eric Lindros. And so Pavel Brendel if you squint- was technically the crown jewel of the of the Lindros trade is what I've read today. Well, we know how crown jewels go when it goes with the Rangers and trades. When a player is involved, it totally has worked out. Well, it's funny thinking about crown jewels. Like, wasn't the crown jewel in the Scott Gomez to the Canadians trade not Ryan McDonough? I feel who's, like it was. Who's the, who's the <laughs> winger they got? People were really excited about the the winger who already had like a thirty goal season under his belt. Let me double check. I forget his name now. I got it. I'm going. Just like I was going to say how high it was in the McDonough trade. Yeah, it was. It, it, you mean Brett Howden, wasn't it? No, remember no, they, mean, they, they I remember it was tweeted out. Rocket. It was like it was yeah, like, oh, careful, Shana. We have there's law on this podcast. Yes. Brett Howden's brought up the only thing you can say about Brett Howden is that he is a man rocket. And he can get he it. can get it. That's the only I thing didn't you could say. About him. I about <laughs> We're just letting you know the rules. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's young. Oh. Yeah, that's true. Um, I can't say anything. It might, it's better for us. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. Uh, they said God, is, uh, Christopher Higgins is the name? Oh, I always liked Chris Higgins. Long Island native. He was, but he was, he was the guy. I like A lot of people were excited about Higgins. I was excited Just about Just like a lot Higgins. of people were excited about Nick Sheridan back in the day. They also sent them uh, Ryan McDonough. That's pretty good. Okay. Uh, pretty okay. Yeah. So you get you get Eric Lindros, then Lindros goes to the Rangers, and they lost out on their chance of getting Eric Lindros uh, back when they could have traded for the first overall pick. And then everything well, was... To be fair, the Rangers the first overall pick, and an NHL arbiter sided with the Flyers instead. That's correct. <laughs> essentially, essentially, an arbiter flipped a coin, and that's why Eric Lindros is a... Philadelphia Flyer before New York. Right, and then everything worked out really well. Happy Dory, and we won three cups in a row. Right? No soap operas, just hockey. Right, exactly. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) I was actually well-timed there. The 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 Samuelson um, part of the trade, not super sexy. Well, a little bit more intriguing than what happens with Luke Robitaille. What happens with Luke Robitaille is kind of depressing, actually. Uh, Robitaille, as previously said, just he was he was fine. I think is the nicest thing you could say about him in 95-96. He was bad in 96-97. And the Rangers decided it was time to move on from Robitaille. They traded him straight up back to the LA Kings after (laughs) acquiring him from the Penguins for Kevin Stevens. And Kevin Stevens is kind of a... uh, I don't want to say sad story. That's not the right terminology to use. It it, it just it's, It's an unfortunate... Ranger yeah, legacy that Kevin Stevens yeah. behind, I think is the best way to do it. He has two years that are fine. Again, I, Kevin Stevens at the time, I don't think anyone viewed him as the kind of star player he was in the early parts of his career. He has a 41-point season in 97-98, a 43-point season in 98-99, and then he only scores eight points in the year 99-2000 before checking himself into the NHL substance abuse program and his NHL career essentially is over. No drama, um, just hockey. Luke Robitaille, meanwhile, goes back to the Kings, has three really good years when he's back with the Kings. His first year was a bit of a struggle, but then he posts back-to-back 74-point seasons 
and an 88-point season in 2000-2001 as a 34-year-old. Uh, yeah, for whatever reason, Luke Robitaille just didn't want to play in New York. I love the Rangers. And- Can I just, like, I hate I hate when teams trade back for players in 95% of the instances that they do. Like, if, if a team trades a player at the deadline because they're like, it makes more sense than they sign them back as a free agent, I think that's, like, a good bit of business. You know, like, if you can manage to pull that off, and obviously we don't see it happen that often. But so many times where you see it, it's, like, so many teams trying to, like, hold on to former glory. Like, basically everything the Blackhawks have done since they've won, that they're like, let's trade back for Brandon Saad and Johnny Oduya and Patrick Sharp and everybody that we got rid of. Let's bring them back in. I think Marcus Kruger was another one. Well, I'm super, happy, like, super happy about the Saad thing because of Panarin. Maybe he's still, well, maybe yeah. he's still in the Blackhawks yeah. if that hap- doesn't happen, you know? Yeah, right. And then they wanted to get him back as a free agent, too. And they realized that they screwed up. It's just like it's so many teams having like regrets that they're like, let me go back to the past, even though that player you traded away is now two years older and you missed all this time. You don't know if it'll work and you screwed up and it just it looks bad no matter like how you slice it 95 percent of the time. And I just it it happened like here with Ned Bed, they got him back and. You know, Robitaille went back to L.A. And it's just like, dude, don't trade these players in the first place. Don't trade players on a whim. Like, think this through. And there can be times where it makes sense to bring them back. But it's like, what are you doing? I will. I will. I'm not going to defend the L.A. Kings here. But I, I do think it's worth pointing out that the difference between the Kings in 1994 and the Kings in 1997 is that Wayne Gretzky is no longer on the Kings. And it's yeah, also... Still. Uh, actually, this... <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I didn't think about this until right right now. I need to look something up real quick. Uh, The difference between the New York Rangers before they traded Mr. Luke Robitaille is that Wayne Gretzky is now a New York Ranger, and maybe he didn't want Luke Robitaille around (laughs) anymore, and the Rangers needed to trade him again. Um, I hate this team. (laughs) I kind of – they Gretzky and Robitaille had one year together with the Rangers. that is hilarious. All right. Uh, at least I think they did. I'm just double. Yes. 96, 97, the Rangers had both Robitaille and Gretzky. And then after the 97 season, the Rangers traded Robitaille back to the Kings. One has to wonder if Rain, Wayne Gretzky had some hand in that one as well. We'll never know. I'll call Wayne. I'll let him know. So I'll ask him the question. Um, Shana, any, any parting thoughts on, on Zubov and the dynasty that could have been the New York Rangers? It's just very on brand for the Rangers. Like, it's their thing to trade young pieces for a past their prime player in the hopes that that player, like, their name legitimacy will bring something to the team. And I think you can go through so many trades where this has happened. And the Rick Nash trade, I think, is one that you can cite technically, even though I think he was very good with the Rangers. He wasn't peak Rick Nash, you know. I think he was – I really did like Rick Nash with the Rangers. Like, I can't stress that enough. I don't really have an issue with the trade because there was so much I did like about the the player that he was. But I just think that you do have to be, like, realistic when you look at things like um, Marty St. Louis, like Dan Boyle. You're bringing in players that you knew won. And Brad Richards, that, that was a huge example of it, of spending more money to bring in this name who won a cup, who will bring success to the team because they've had it elsewhere. And it's just so fitting for this team. To like when you look back and it's the same, you know, different management, different everything, circumstances, but it's like the one consistency you really would see with the Rangers up until their rebuild. 
Yeah, totally agree. I've also I've I've heard since the ninety four I've heard at least Ranger fans wonder it. Not not necessarily Ranger fans of our generation or Ranger fans I would say of the highest of IQs. But I've seen enough Ranger fans be like, I don't understand why Neil Smith didn't get a chance to run another organization after his time with the Rangers. You don't? And I think you, you just <laughs> you look at everything that happened after they won the cup as an exact reason. Like here's here's another paragraph from our friends at the New York Times when they acquired Samuelson and Robitaille. One key theme is age. Samuelson is 31 years old and Robitaille turns 30 February 17th. Other key additions the Rangers have made this summer. Ray Ferraro is 31. Bruce Driver is 33. And Wayne Presley is 30. And they'll join their 34-year-old captain, Messier, on a roster that is likely to include at least six other players at least 30 years old. What... I'm just so happy we don't live in an era anymore where, like, if you don't have veterans, you can't win. I just, I don't I mean, understand how anyone can look not, at this roster and think it's going to be good. I mean, like, we're not in that same era, but, like, there there is definitely still that feeling amongst so many people in hockey, and especially those in positions of power, because why bring in innovative ideas? And, like, yeah, that, that feeling's still there, but I'm glad it's not as strong as it once was, because, like... No, 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 no. Well, Mike Keenan went on to do some really great things, so we're good. Um, and he left immediately after the '94 Cup too. By the way, he was he was coach and general manager of the St. Louis Blues from '94 to '96. That is ridiculous. Good for him. Uh, yeah, and again, <laughs> shout out, shout out, Mike Keenan for being one of those old hockey heads that so desperately needed Esatikinen that he traded Peter Nedved to the New York Rangers for Esatikinen. Unfortunately for the New York Rangers, they didn't keep him. Mike, so, Mike Keaton, I'm so happy you won a cup with the Rangers, but you did everything to not let that happen. Everything. Literally everything. Um, Shayna, uh, everyone could follow you where? The Athletic and where else? Hey Shay? On Twitter. Yep. Oh, yeah. On Twitter. Yeah, it's Hey Shay. Mm-hmm. It's like basically write Shay out twice with three Ys on each and then take away the S on the first one. You got Maybe it. Maybe Hey Shay. Or you could just you know. retweet Shay and she's at the Athletic. You can find her super easy. And Greg and I are also- Can I just point can I? Can I just point out to you guys, uh, once upon a time when the WHA was a thing, there was a trophy named the Kaplan Trophy, and uh, <laughs> this is making my day. There you go. What was the it The Lou Kaplan Trophy, the WHA Rookie of the Year, and somehow Wayne Gretzky won it three times. <laughs> I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine winning Rookie of the Year I'll, three times. I'll allow it. It's Gretzky. Oh, uh, no, he didn't He didn't win it three times. Hockey reference is just a weird page. Like, he played for two different teams in 78, 79. Got it. And they listed the trophy for each of the teams. Got so it. it looks like Gretzky won the trophy three times, when in reality he just won it once as an 18-year-old rookie in 78, 79. Might but as well. I have a trophy named after me. Good for me. Congratulations, What do you guys Greg. have? Um, no father. Anyway, um, we'll be back next week. O'Ryan Mead, you can follow me, and Greg at Blue Shirts Break. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.